Welcome to the Broken to Unbroken podcast with Dr. Nick Askey, where we dive deep into how to eliminate pain and continue to train. Episode two of the Broken to Unbroken podcast. Thanks for making it through that painful episode one. I hope to make these better every time. Today we're going to talk about finding the sweet spot. Uh, first, what we mean by the sweet spot. If you watch any of the Instagram videos, you see that bell curve that you're probably getting sick of. Uh, and when you look at a bell curve, you need to picture that we have those tail ends at the beginning and at the end. Uh, those are kind of the red areas. So. We have these patients that are very timid and paranoid and they don't want to do anything. Uh, and then we have the people in the middle that aren't in your office because they aren't in pain because they have a, a sizable amount of activity, but not too much. Uh, and they don't hurt. They're not overloading their tissues. Uh, they're doing enough to stay healthy. And then you have the, the people that are hyperactive. They are ultra marathoners, your crossfitters. Um, and they just don't want to take a rest day and they're the people that are like, well, what is that rest muscle and how do I train it? Uh, they don't want to take any time off and they're just overloading and they're hitting the, the tissue failure, uh, and they're not allowing their body enough time to recover. They may have a high stress job. They don't get enough sleep. Their nutrition isn't dialed in. So that is why they're in your office. So uh, that sweet spot is that activity level in the middle. And there are not a lot of people that are in that spot that are in my office. So it's my job to help them find it. Um, so the, the big thing we need to talk about uh, with these patients is to get them to do some activity, especially the people that are afraid to move. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple different scenarios. And we need to talk about uh, three different markers of pain. So uh, you need to talk to the patient like, all right, we need to do something. We need to find this sweet spot. We need to pay attention to three different times. We need to pay attention to pain during the activity. Um, and we, we change it up to where uh, the pain during the activity, I tell them that dull, achy, some throbbing, some fatigue, uh, that's okay. That's just your body getting worked. Um, and the, the sharp stabbing, nervy, radiating, shooting pains are not okay pains to feel. Uh, whenever I have an athlete, I always talk to them, especially a young athlete, because they don't know how to differentiate what is okay pain and what is not, is let's say you're going to do 20 reps of an activity. Uh, let's say 20 push-ups, uh, and you have shoulder pain. Uh, if the first push-up is an 8 out of 10, and the second push-up is a 4 out of 10, and the third push-up is a 1, and all the other push-ups after that are non-painful. That's just you warming up. That's just you being stiff, stuck in the, the sit-at-a-desk student mode. Um, and if it is 8 out of 10 for the first 15 reps, we can't expect the last five to be zeros and not pay the piper afterwards. So first one is pain during the activity. Dull, achy, fatigue are okay. Sharp, shooting, nervy, stabbing, radiating pains are not okay. We just live to fight another day. Uh, the second pain we have to pay attention to is the pain an hour after. Because sometimes you have those endorphins going, you're thinking about the activity, and the pain doesn't come on until about an hour after. So if we have a spike in pain an hour after, we need to just pay attention to what we did, make a note of it, 
because we probably overdid it. And when we go back to try that activity again, uh, we dial it back a little bit. Uh, and the next pain we have to pay attention to is what we call hangover pain or the pain the morning after. And people understand it if you're like, all right, when you get in a car accident, uh, you don't feel it right then just because you're in shock, you're dealing with insurance, you're dealing with the cops, you're dealing, making sure that everyone is notified. You have a lot of distractions. Your brain's thinking about all of that. Uh, the pain doesn't sink in until the day after, maybe the day and a half after. Then you're like, man, my neck is sore. My low back is sore. Uh, so if you go do a workout and you feel good during, you feel good an hour after, but the next morning you're really paying for it, we need to pay attention to that and dial it back. Uh, we're going to go through a couple of different scenarios. Um, so I had a, a patient who was very tentative to move. She'd been in some chronic pain. She went to a trainer. Uh, the trainer may have not done anything wrong, but really overworked her because this lady is just very timid, very scared. The trainer was probably really annoyed with her. Uh, and she is just very afraid to move, like very timid, even to get out of the chair in the waiting room. She was guarded like someone was going to shoot her in the head. Uh, so we have to explain to her that she will get better and this is not going to be a lifelong thing. Uh, and this talk really helped her out more than any treatment I could have provided is explaining this to her. And if she's not working out, uh, you don't have a set of reps. It's not a runner. It's she's not in a CrossFit gym. She's not going to step foot in a gym for a long time because that's what she perceives as hurt her. She asked me, asked me if she could sue the gym. I'm like, you know, that five page waiver you signed at the front, uh, that's to protect you from nothing and to protect them from everything. Uh, you can't sue them if you get hurt in the gym. Otherwise I would be rich. Uh, so with her, we had her track her Fitbit cause she had a Fitbit on her wrist. And I'm like, all right, you got to pay attention to how many steps you have because exercise is not a compartmentalized thing. You don't have to be in workout clothes and at the gym to call it exercise. Chores is exercise. Yard work is exercise. Going for a walk with your dog or your kids or shopping is exercise. So I told her to write down her steps of the previous day along with the pain level she had. If she woke up and she did 14,000 steps and she was in an eight out of 10 pain, uh, we knew that that was not her sweet spot. And if she woke up and she had 500 steps and was in a ton of pain, that was just a not enough movement for her, uh, and her body. So, uh, and if she woke up and she had 6,000 steps and felt like a million bucks, uh, that was probably her sweet spot that we go off of. Uh, so we need to track things with a Fitbit or the step counter on the phone. Uh, she was also very frustrated with the fact that her back and legs would really hurt. And then she would rest for a whole day. And then she's like, now my neck really hurts. I'm like, well, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm just sitting on my tablet all day. And then we had to go through how rest and just sitting in a chair on her tablet hurts her neck, but helps her back. Uh, and how this all plays together and educating her on this. And then the light bulb started to go off. Um, we also had her make a red, yellow, green chart. Uh, the green activities are activities that she can do all day, every day, and not have a consequence. For her, there was not much on the green list because she's not in very good shape. She's fairly deconditioned. Uh, but we did find some things that she's like, I could do this all day and not really have a problem with it. 
Uh, so we had some things on the green list. On the yellow list is stuff that she can do for a short period of time, like sweeping or vacuuming or mopping or raking or, or walking. But at a certain period of time, she would hit a fatigue point and it would start to hurt. Those are things on the yellow list. Things on the red list are things that hurt every single time, no matter how fatigued she is, no matter what time of day she does it, those things always hurt. So I told her, okay, our job is to shift red to yellow and yellow to green. And when she started making those lists, she's like, okay, I got a lot more things in the green pile now. I have a lot better mental outlook on this. And I just saw she was a different person the next visit that I saw her because she had a plan. She had someone that would sit down and take the time with her and break this down. And hey, I may have lost out on a, a treatment to where I had to count something out, but I just sat down and talked with her. I'm like, all right, we're not gonna do any treatment today. We're just gonna game plan and kind of set the war path out on this because no one has sat down and taken the time to break your day down into little chunks and just put some rhyme or reason to this because she was very confused on how the, she had this cyclical nature of pain to where she would have a good day and then she would have a really bad day and then she would have a, a good day and then she'd have two bad days. And what was happening is she was just jumping from, from the red area on the hyperactive side to where she would just rest. So she was just playing hopscotch on the sweet spot and never finding it. And that's why it was very frustrating. It was very confusing. She was, it was just adding to her anxiety because it was not a predictable process. And now when we can break it down into a quantifiable number with her Fitbit steps and the red, yellow, green chart, she's like, okay, I am in control of this. I can predict this. This is not something that is just like a hidden tiger that is going to pounce on me, but she needed to journal her activities and pay attention. I tell my patients, I am not a vet. I need you to speak to me uh, because I cannot read your mind and you can expect not expect to walk through life and not pay any attention and expect us to figure out what our triggers are and get this fixed. So that was the scenario with a chronic pain patient and how we broke that down and she's doing very well. She's not there yet, but she is much, much better and much, much more confident in her ability to control this. And she is in the driver's seat rather than just getting tossed around in the waves. Uh, so we're going to talk about my other patient uh, who's a cross-country runner. I'd uh, been out of running uh, with quad tendinopathy uh, for about four months. And this kid lives to run. Uh, and he just goes to school. And he's one of those lanky cross-country runners that isn't like a stud track athlete and uh, macking on all the girls and and just super popular kid. Like this is your stereotypical uh, kid that he's, he's a cross country runner. He's very lanky. He's very fast. Uh, this is what he identifies with. So it was really messing with his head that he could not run because this is who he is. Uh, he couldn't run at all. He hadn't run in about four to six months. Uh, and he was like, okay, when can I go back to running? And I'm like, I am going to control your return to running. Uh, so we gave him some rehab for the quad tendinopathy. We got him stronger. We're working with some squat form and working on some hip activation and ankle mobility. Uh, but we started him off because if you let runners just go, oh, let's try a run. They're going to go do a four mile out and back and they're going to be limping the last three and a half miles of it. They're going to wallow in their own sorrow. They're going to have a pity party of one 
and they're going to go, I'm never going to run again. Let's just burn my running shoes and I'm going to go do a bunch of drugs or I'm going to do something rash. I'm going to go eat bad food and I'm not just not going to be healthy because I can't run. Um, but with this athlete, I set up an interval training program for him. So I said, all right, we are going to do three 200 meter intervals. Uh, you're going to run 200, but this is not going to be at 200 meter pace. This is going to be at 5k pace. Uh, and then you're going to walk at 200 and that's going to be your rest. And no matter if it hurts or not, you're going to stop at three and then you're going to take a rest day. So we have to gauge that morning after pain. Um, and if you're good the next day, then you're that after your recovery day, you're going to go out and do four intervals. And this was a little bit too much for him. He was having some pain. He was having some pain going up and down the steps at school the next day. So I'm like, all right, it's not the end of the world. We just haven't found the sweet spot. We overdid it a little bit. You haven't run in a while. So we took him back to hundred meter intervals. So we said, all right, you're just going to do some strides on the football field, nice and slow. Uh, you're going to do three and then you're going to do a two minute rest in between. And you're going to stop at three. He was fine with three, did his recovery day, worked up to six. And then we took him to two hundreds at, and we started at three and he was fine with that. And then he worked up to six and then we moved him to four hundreds. Uh, and then he had running camp coming up and they're doing like 50 minute runs for light days. And I'm like, absolutely not, man. You're not conditioned for that yet. I'm like, you, you're running three quarters of a mile and we can't go do 13 and expect good things to happen. He's like, okay, I understand. But I'm like, all right, let's gauge your fitness a little bit. So we had on his three, 400 meter day, uh, felt good. I'm like, all right, let's try an 800 after about five minutes worth of rest. Uh, and it was more leg fatigue that was the problem. And he wasn't discouraged. He's like, man, like this is good that my knee isn't the problem. It's just my legs feel like jello. I'm like, you're catching on, man, uh, because your knee is no longer the slow buffalo in the herd. You see what I was talking about with strength. We need to get you stronger. We need to put some meat on those bones. He's like, all right, we're good. Uh, so he is well on the war path to getting back to uh, crushing it this cross country season. But if we would have just thrown him into the general population, this would have been very discouraging because it would have just been the same scenario as that chronic pain patient um, to where they were just, they go, they overdo it, they flare it up, they rest. They overdo it, they flare it up, they rest. Because people don't know graded exposure unless they have a lot of personal guidance. And granted, if you're a healthcare professional, it's not your job to, to program like this but I coached running for a couple of years. So this is my wheelhouse. I felt okay with taking the extra time to work with this kid. Cause this is his life. If I can improve his quality of life doing this with a few extra minutes out of the day, uh, that that's well worth the time spent. Uh, but if you don't have the time to do it, work with a local trainer or running coach in your area to coordinate this, build relationships with good personal trainers because they know the body. They can't use all the fancy tools that we use as far as the orthopedic assessments, ordering MRIs, order, ordering diagnostic testing, ordering blood work. They have to look at what they can see from the outside. And a lot of times that is more effective because they get very good at looking at movement. Uh, we order less MRIs than MDs and orthos because of the, the demographic of patients that walk into our office. 
But that being said, a lot of times we do get a more honed skill set on just looking at movement and evaluating functionally because we don't just deviate to an MRI because the majority of the, the people that we see in our office don't have severe orthopedic issues. And if they do, it's just because they trust us so much to, to tell them straight and go, all right, this is not for me. Go get your money back because you're going to use it on your MRI and go visit Mr. or Mrs. Surgeon. So that is the two different scenarios that we wanted to talk about. We went a little bit longer today because I think it warranted some discussion. Uh, if you can't visualize that bell curve, just go back to a couple of the Instagram posts on at kick on Instagram. Uh, but some take home points to find the sweet spot. We have to pay attention to three different kinds of pain, pain during the activity. The no-go pain is nervy, sharp, stabbing, shooting, radiating. The pain that is okay to work through is just dull, achy, fatigue, but also the warm-up versus the pain that's getting worse. If the rep's getting less painful, then you can work through it. But if they stay the same or get worse, we need to shut it down and live to fight another day. The pain the hour after, after the endorphins wear off, you cool off, then you may feel a little bit of pain. Uh, and then the pain the morning after. And then the different scenarios with chronic pain versus an athlete. So I hope you guys learned a little bit. Uh, if you like the podcast, share it, give us a review. It'll help us move up the ranks on, on the podcast and help get to more people and uh, share this information. And again, any feedback that you have, uh, send it, share it in the reviews. It doesn't have to be a five-star review. I have a lot to work on. I didn't earn a five-star yet. So feel free to be very critical and honest in the reviews. And I hope to see, hear you in uh, episode three. Thanks.